Sit down if you want to. Right in the middle of what's going on. I'm in the middle of an interrogation. Take a seat, young Skywalker. The middle children of history, man. Middle of the day, Alfred? Please, take a seat there. Right now, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Stop the middle of the base hit! Meeting in the middle. Fight, fight. They fought for the freedom of middle. 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 The middle of the middle of the middle. The middle of a war. Freaking ridiculous. Why don't we have a seat to talk about? No, not the middle seat. Enter into a world of fun and fatalities with the Middle Seats Podcast, the best seat in the house for all things movies and entertainment. I'm the head of this podcasting tournament of champions, Andrew Auger. Choose your fighter, and here are your choices today. Do you select the all-powerful <laughs> hugging might? of Nate Lungarini. <laughs> I certainly hope so. Y- you will win. I'm known to be quite scrappy. Or do you refuse to fight as Jake Hensler because his finishing move is literally running away? <laughs> it's on brand because you're a runner. Yeah. Yeah, you you said worse. I thought you were going to be some more mean, like he's the guy you always pick to fight because you want to fatality him by ripping out his spine or something fun like that. Oh, like <laughs> that's you, where I thought you, you were going. <laughs> who you pick is the CPU. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that's where you were going. So uh, I'll I'll take you being nice for once. <laughs> I you want to be part of the writing process for these? I don't have a problem with you helping me out <laughs> for this specific part of my notes and <laughs> the nothing else. Burns. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, okay. <laughs> You'll find a you'll find a self piece I think that a lot of people can't access because they don't have this kind of outlet. Yeah, I I mean I did it for three and a half years, so yeah, if you want. No, I was gonna say yeah. <laughs> We're literally talking shop on air now. <laughs> the Middle Seats Podcast is the best seat in the house for all things movies and entertainment. If you are just joining us, our show usually divided into three segments. It's about three and a half to four today. Uh, we start the show with lobby talk. One member of the crew pitches a topic, and we just go back and forth on that topic for about 10 to 15 minutes, or as long as Nate wants it in the editing process. We're going to talk a little bit more shop there. Um, <laughs> then we move into our news segment. We're only going to talk about one news item today. It is going to be the Oscars, so we'll talk about what the hell happened last night for us a couple of days ago for you guys. Uh, then we have two separate reviews today. Very different properties, but both beloved properties. We're going to talk about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, like we did with WandaVision a couple of weeks back, now that the MCU's second Disney Plus series has wrapped. And then we're going to get into our review of Mortal Kombat, which is available now in theaters and on HBO Max, the reboot of the classic video game series, as I'm sure you guys put together from my laborious intro. Something pretty fun, guys. This is episode number 50 of the Middle Seats main podcast. It took us a ton of time to get here but i am very happy we made it congratulations guys what are you guys doing to celebrate anything (laughs) i'm gonna be hunkering down and editing this out to try to get it out by the weekend (laughs) the grind never stops love it never (laughs) and i will be eating cake thinking about nate editing this podcast together (laughs) that sounds about right for jake (laughs) (laughs) it sounds like nice solidarity i like it jake (laughs) that's that's basically how things go over here behind the scenes for those listening yeah pretty much (laughs) Well, 50 episodes, no matter if you've shown up for one or 10 or all 50, Nate's mom, my mom. No, my mom doesn't <laughs> listen to us. Never mind. Now that is mine. Yeah. Mom, you're the MVP. <laughs> my mom straight up tells me she's not going to. <laughs> she hears the whole thing through your closet. So she, why does she have to listen to the, the rest of the show? <laughs> no matter how many episodes you've shown up for, thank you for taking this journey with us. Let's get into episode number 50 with our lobby talk. Let's all go to the lobby. You're in the lobby? What do you look like? I will blow up the block before you can make the lobby. All right, so it is my turn to do lobby talk. And for those listening, 
uh, yesterday was my birthday. Nate's was about three-ish weeks ago, three and a half. And I decided to find out, or I want to find out, who among us has the best birthday in terms of movies. So basically what we do is we go down the list of the last 25 years, or 26, Andrew, 25 and a half. (laughs) (laughs) And we look at what the best movie of every weekend of our birthdays was that came out, pick the top three, and the worst one, so a total of four, kind of tradition like Mortal Kombat fashion, we'll duke it out and see who has the best movie birthday. Since I am newly 26, I will go first and ever so slightly cheat because I'm picking four. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, That sounds like the big brother we all know and love, (laughs) Well, mainly because one of them I know is really, really well-received and critically acclaimed. I just haven't seen it. So that is United 93, but I'm kind of tying that in with Mud, starring Matthew McConaughey, which I did see and was very good. So pick or choose which one you want to take first. And then after that, I basically just can clean sweep you guys here and now. Because I got Infinity War and Endgame. So there's pretty much nothing you guys can say or do to beat me. And for my <laughs> bad movie, I was torn between Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas and Ugh. RV starring Robin Williams. Oh, those are both bad. <laughs> Viva Rock Vegas is worse, but they're both bad. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see yeah, either. Yeah, Flintstones is definitely the, definitely the loser there. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Rest, rest <laughs> in peace, rest in peace in both those movies. One to Robin Williams, one to Stephen Baldwin's career. Actually, I think I did see RV when I was very young when it first came out. I did not see the Flintstones. RV is a very popular like 9:30 a.m. TBS movie on like a Saturday morning where it's like, oh, I'll watch Sports Center for the ninth straight hour instead. Thank you for giving, making this choice very easy for me. Can you run down your good again? I heard Avengers, Infinity War, Endgame, and Mud was the third one. Is that what you yeah, said? Yeah, I technically haven't seen United 93, even though it's critically acclaimed, so I'm going to go with Mud. Fantastic movie. Yeah, fantastic mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, it's a good I team. See that. I mean, you're, you're kind of resting on the laurels of Avengers, but yeah, I have to. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Avengers is pretty good, but if we were going by Mortal Kombat standards... You're a heavy character with only two attacks, and it's so easy to tell what you're doing. (laughs) I like my team because I think I have a good mix of a lot of different genres. All right, so 2018, A Quiet Place. 2015, Ex Machina. Got our sci-fi fix there. And 2014, Captain America Winter Soldier. Oh, that is a good team. Superheroes, horror, and sci-fi. All back to back a, to back. That is a good team. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll will tell you, I'm gonna I'm gonna bitch and moan ever so slightly because being the last week in April means I always missed the big first weekend in May. So I missed a lot of like Spider Man's and I missed a couple Star Wars and even some Marvel movies. I missed the first Avengers. Oh, boo hoo! You got the highest grossing <laughs> movie of all time and its predecessor. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> but Jake does have a point. If we had done this in 2017, you would have nothing. Because yeah. they like the, the end game, end game and Infinity War only came out in April to prevent spoilers leaking, because internationally, England and European countries would traditionally get a lot of the Marvel movies a week early, and they didn't care with movies like Iron Man three or like Thor: The Dark World. But like for Avengers: right. Infinity War, Avengers: Endgame, they felt the need to move up the schedule. So Jake would really be out on a limb if yeah. like that didn't happen, because the last week of April is usually a wasteland because. Nobody wants to open anything the week before the beginning of the summer movie season. Mm-hmm. So for like Nate's birthday at the top of the month, it usually is a little bit more forgiving. I love A Quiet Place. We've gone over that many times. Yeah, I, I got I got kicked in the teeth up until the last couple of years. 
for movie birthdays. <laughs> yeah. Now, my quote-unquote bummer Ooh. of a birthday movie. I actually had a lot of fun options here, a lot of meme options. Pokemon 3, Spell of the Unknown in 2001. Uh, Rubber, the, the movie about the tire in 2011. <laughs> oh, my and God. And even in 1998, Three Ninjas, High Noon at Mega Mountain. Oh, boy. <laughs> Remember when we watched that? Ugh. I loved that when I was like, I don't know, eight, nine, whatever that came out. Mm-hmm. I thought it was so but fun. I think I think the most unforgivable movie release during my early April birthday is 2009 Dragon Ball Evolution, the live action one. Yeah, that movie's horrible. <laughs> it's really bad. Your birthday's pretty inconsistent. <laughs> it's very swingy. <laughs> if I if I remember correctly, because I remember things like this because I'm a sociopath, you that do. was the same weekend that uh, – Hannah Montana, the movie came out, I believe, as well. And Fast and Furious. Yeah, the, the, the same one, right? Yeah. Two weeks span there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ugh, that's tough. Is Three Ninjas, High Noon, and Mega Mountain the one with uh, Hulk Hogan that we watched? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. It's hard to remember. I think we, we were a little inebriated for the majority of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> one more. Which one was Jason X? Oh, that was the one where he was in space. That apparently came out on my birthday. Yeah. Again, on brand, not quite a summer movie, but like let's dump it the week before summer. You probably also had the Nightmare on Elm Street remake or close to that. Uh, that came out on I think April thirtieth, twenty ten. That movie's supposed to be awful as well. Um, let me let me transition to me because I am in a yeah. way different part of the year than you guys. September is very bipolar for movies. It's usually a mix of really bad stuff and like a couple of good. Like a couple, you'll get a good blockbuster every once in a while. It, it There's no set theme to September like there is for like December or May or July or October or like on a horrible scale, January. You know what I mean? So yeah. September mm-hmm. had a lot of interesting different ones. My favorite movie that was that came out on my birthday weekend is Moneyball, which is a very personal mm. movie to me. It's one of my favorite sports movies of all time. This was a good weekend for sports movies, by the way. I also had Remember the Titans, which is another – Wow. Favorite Even of mine. I know about that one. Yes. <laughs> so Moneyball with Brad Pitt, of course, one of his best performances, a great sports movie about the Oakland A's in the early 2000s and just fantastic performances from Pitt. Jonah Hill is in it. Chris Pratt is in it. The late Philip Seymour Hoffman. Really good movie written by Aaron Sorkin, who, of course, was nominated for an Oscar uh, and has won an Oscar in the past. So we've got Moneyball. My second was Looper. Uh, which I think came out directly Mm. on my birthday, the year I turned old enough to see rated R movies legally without sneaking in. So I think that that was the first rated R movie I saw when I was 17, right? That's pretty cool. Yeah. And that movie delivers Ryan Johnson, of course, who did Star Wars The Last Jedi, yada, 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 Knives Out. Really cool sci-fi movie with Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Bruce Willis. I think it's gone a little under the radar in the last few years. It turns 10 years old next year. And then the year I was born, 1995, my birthday number one movie that weekend was Seven by David Fincher. Oh, wow. Mm, Brad Pitt. That is a classic. And Morgan Freeman and uh, Kevin Kevin Spacey uh, and Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he whispered Kevin that. Spacey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great, great, great crime movie uh, that, yeah. you know, still lives on today. 25 years old, that movie is. Wowie. What's your bad one? So, there, like I said, it's very bipolar, so there's a lot of options. The worst one that I have personally seen is Abduction by Taylor Lautner. Oh, I remember. I didn't see it, 
but I remember that coming out. It was supposed to be his big, like, coming out action starring vehicle. It was right in the middle of the big Twilight run, produced by his father, directed by the late John Singleton. It's one of the worst action movies I've ever seen in my life. It is horrible. It is it is one we're going to have to watch under the same conditions of Three Ninjas High Noon at Mega Mountain at some point because it's very <laughs> funny. It is, it is laugh-out-loud funny bad. Uh, that's the worst <laughs> I've seen. That same weekend, Seven came out. Uh, Showgirls came out, which is notoriously one of the worst movies ever made, apparently. I've never seen it, but it is apparently an abomination. Some other notables I had, Shaun of the Dead, 50-50. Uh, that was good, too. Let's see. Legend of the Guardians, The Owls of Cahul, the Zack Snyder movie. <laughs> so, yeah, that's mine. Uh, who do we like the best? Nate, can you do your three again, just for my memory? I got A Quiet Place. What are the other two? Yep. Quiet Place, Ex Machina. And Captain America Winter Soldier. Yeah, those are good. Good diversity. I've got yeah. good diversity, too. Jake's got the juggernauts. Well, here's the thing. Can, can you vote for your own team? Because honestly I'm, honestly, I'm not. I don't think I have the strongest team, personally. But are you guys going to vote for one of yours? Ugh. I'm between mine and Nate's. <laughs> as well, much I'm as between I'm between Drew and mine, so <laughs> I mean we win. <laughs> as much as I love as much as I love Infinity War, I think I'm with you guys. I I'm probably in between your two teams as well. Why don't you be the tiebreaker then? You tell us which team you like the best, and I guess that'll be the winner. Well, here's the thing, and not to not to ruffle your feathers here, I I am in the minority boat of a quiet place is good, but over a little overrated. I know, and just gonna punch me through the screen here. Well, so. I think I think Ex Machina is overrated, so they right. And I love that one. I love Ex Machina. I also love Winter Soldier. Uh, I think my favorite on your team is Seven, but I think Nate has a just ever so slightly stronger depth, just for my own personal taste. Like if I'm gonna do my my ratings for each of these, like oh, Jake, we're going deep here now. I was just ready to say I win and move on. Yeah, Jake. Jake, uh, well, I think you win, but I Jake has an eight and a half movie, a nine and a nine. Nate has an eight, a nine, and a nine and a half. I have two nines and eight and a half. So I, I let's go, Nate. Nate wins. Yeah, yeah. Nate, Nate edges it out. He gets the nose. Flawless victory. Nice. That was good. <laughs> well, all done. right, that'll do it. Uh, that was a fun lobby talk. Didn't require a lot of effort. Um, some of those movies probably got a little bit of Oscar buzz back in the day. So let's move into our new segment and talk about the movies that got Oscar buzz and Oscar wins this year. And this just in, a Newsbreak special report. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. So at the time of this recording, the 93rd Academy Awards was last night. Um, and we were all together to watch it. This is the first time that I've seen Jake since the fall, which was very nice. And it was his birthday, too, so he was celebrating. I definitely was. Mostly no big surprises, except for one glaring yeah. thing, which we'll get to in a second. Nomadland took home three awards. Um, it took home Best Picture, Best Actress, which Frances winning over Carrie Mulligan and Vanessa Kirby and Viola Davis. You can't call it a surprise. I wouldn't have leaned that way at the beginning of the night. I was leaning towards Carrie Mulligan. And then, of course, of course Chloe Zhao wins Best Director. Daniel Kaluuya gets his award for Judas. Great speech by the Minari grandmother for Best Supporting Actress. <laughs> she was funny. She was hilarious. Yes, yeah. she was good. The, the whole ceremony took place at Union Station, a train station right near where the Dolby Theater is located in the Los Angeles area. And yeah, and then the, the whole show was f***ing weird. It was super, <laughs> super weird. Like, I was on board with it for most of the night. They were clearly prioritizing longer speeches. They weren't doing a lot of skits and stuff. 
They were just letting it be like a personal, intimate experience. It was like we were watching a movie documentary about one of the Oscar shows because Steven Soderbergh shot the whole thing like it looked like Ocean's Eleven. I was digging the vibe. And then somewhere around the last half hour, it lost me. Uh, they sped through the in memoriam, and then they stacked the end of the show, clearly banking on a Chadwick Boseman Best Actor win, only for Anthony Hopkins to win and not even be there to accept the award, leaving Joaquin Phoenix and Questlove, of all people, with his silver gold Crocs left to dry <laughs> to end the show and, like, pitch it to, like, some after show, and then they just roll credits and nobody knew what to do. And it, it was in a world where the Moonlight La La Land thing didn't happen it was the probably the most awkward end to an oscars ever <laughs> it's not the oscars unless hollywood pulls a hollywood and just pu- <laughs> punches itself in its own ass right it's a distant <laughs> second but it wasn't great it was definitely <laughs> uncomfortable i thought anthony hopkins deserved the award and we can go more into that in a second but nate what was your overall impressions of the show yeah i i wasn't too happy with the with the show for most of it like one of my favorite things is seeing clips of the movies specifically the performances and like the costume designer the set design even like some cool behind the scenes stuff is always really cool to see and even in a small little 10 second montage um before they introduce each nominee i always really appreciate that because it's kind of like hollywood showing you a little bit behind the curtain and what matters to the Academy there and what kind of things the Academy is looking for when they're coming up with these nominations. I've always appreciated that. I always thought the production value has been really, really high. And to be missing that for so much of the show, on top of all the things you already mentioned, Drew, I was pretty out of it maybe halfway through the show. And then the last half hour was <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> like it, it like reeled you back in, but in a bad way. Like when Glenn Close is twerking. <laughs> You gotta pay attention. Oh my. We got so close to doing an entire show without any stupid corny skits. <laughs> that so was... close. Nice. Was that on purpose? So close. Yeah. <laughs> well done. That was not, but I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> like, sir, they should have done that at 8.30 latest, and they ended up doing it right before the immemorium segment. I don't know what the hell they were thinking. So, like, we, and Jake, uh, I'll give you an avenue to jump in here. We were talking about the whole stripped-down approach. And, like, on one hand, I get why they did it, because they wanted to show themselves to be, like, uh, back to basics, this is what the movies are about. But on the other hand, they just didn't show clips at certain points. You know what I mean? Like, visual effects. Easy cue to show some of the visual effects from, like, Tenant. Didn't do it. Best original score. Didn't play any of the music. How are they going to learn from their mistakes? Because the ratings went way down, too. No, I'm not surprised there. Yeah, I I'm, I was kind of in between you two. I liked it at first because it felt kind of intimate and personal. And I liked hearing, you know, everybody's takes and everybody's speeches and the actual people in Hollywood and their takes on movies. Like, I think that's interesting. But then, yeah, like Nate said, when they stopped, when they weren't, not even stopped, they just didn't show any clips. They didn't really play any music from the scores. And also, from my own personal uh, preference, I haven't seen a lot of you guys in a while, so I wanted to talk to you guys and catch up. So I started to tune out a little bit toward the end. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I was like, I was really missing seeing all the, you know, the movie magic parts of the Oscars. So as cool as it was to get everybody's speeches and let them have their time, I like that. I'm cool with cutting cutting a lot of the skits and letting people talk. For a lot of these people, this is one of the biggest moments of their lives, winning an Oscar. So let them talk. Give them more than 90 seconds. I'm fine with that. But I want to see, like Nate said, with, with the clips showing... Like when Frances McDormand or Carrie Mulligan, I want to see their their best actress clip. I want to see Ch- Chadwick Boseman's best actor clip. 
I want to see the effects. I want to hear the score. I, I love all that stuff. So it was a weird Oscars. It was just weird. Yeah, and it wasn't like they were cutting the clips and the montages in order to make up for extra speech time. A lot of that time was going to the presenter telling you why yeah. Chadwick was nominated and that kind of thing and their own take on like what they did well and what they didn't. And nah, I wasn't feeling that. <laughs> I'd much rather me as the viewer get shown why they did a good job instead of me being told why they did a good job. That's standard storytelling. Mm-hmm. And listen, in most years, I know all three of us and we roll our eyes at the the tedious montages that show like movies from the 50s and the love of this is the 77th anniversary of mm. the time that Julie Andrews signed her contract to be the lead of Sound of Music and like who the f- cares like oh my <laughs> god you, you want to lose general audiences really fast that's how you do it so I'm glad that they cut a lot of that but they mm-hmm. like they cut too much so like it wasn't really for anybody but like us and even we kind of lost patience with it by the end because they just made such bad decisions in certain very key aspects it felt dry yes and i don't i like don't like slamming the oscars because that opens the gateway for the whole let's add the best popular film category and we don't need that right just look at the box office (laughs) right but like they got to do better than this because they're like i already heard people writing off the show before the show even started like i didn't watch any of the movies this year none of the movies were appealing to me and that's one thing but like which i'm also i'm sorry to hear that (laughs) yeah you know like make it like so that when you're watching the oscars like we watched it with a couple of people who hadn't seen some of the nominees a lot of them did their homework this year but those people the homework assignment that they want after the oscars is over is oh my goodness i'm look at all these good movies i missed these all look so appealing let me go and watch those. And I don't think the show did a good job of selling that. Does that make sense? Mm-mm. Yeah, I mm-hmm. totally agree with you there. If you were watching the Oscars without seeing many of the movies, what what about these movies is appealing to you now? We didn't get right. anything from them. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. 93rd Oscars, uh, I would recommend Promising a Woman, Sound of Metal, The Father. Good crop of movies in there. I would, I would watch all of them personally um, if you haven't gotten a chance, but this is the last we'll talk about them for a while. Let's move into some new stuff. Our double review here. Let's start with our recap of the six episodes of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney+. Plus. Superheroes cannot be allowed to exist. I have no intention to leave my work unfinished. The world's upside down right now. Where do we start? The Falcon and the Winter Soldier premiered in the middle of March. It just wrapped up a couple of days ago at the time of recording. Last Friday, we are recording this on the next Monday. It was created by Malcolm Spellman. Uh, who was basically known for being like a co-producer on the show Empire with Terrence Howard and Taraji P. Henson, directed by Kari Skoglin. Uh, A lot of the episodes produced by some of the guys who did John Wick. You can see some of their influences in some of the action scenes. Very much a mix of, you know, a new story, but also the remnants of what we remember from the Captain America trilogy, for obvious reasons, because the shadow of Captain America is all over this series. It stars Anthony Mackie again as Falcon, a.k.a. Sam Wilson. It's got Sebastian Stan as 
I don't know why the show was called The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. He's not the Winter Soldier anymore. I would have called it The Falcon and the White Wolf, but that probably wasn't as appealing to general audiences. But Bucky Barnes, that's who he's back as. Daniel Brühl returns as Baron Zemo from Captain America Civil War. Emily Van Camp is back as uh, Sharon Carter. Uh, Wyatt Russell, a very key new character, is John Walker, who assumes the mantle of Captain America for a good portion of the series, and we'll get into his development in a bit. And then Aaron Kellyman plays... Carly, who is the leader of this group called the Flag Smashers. They basically liked the world how Thanos left it and kind of were displaced and had their world kind of rocked a little bit by what happened when the Avengers eventually saved the world in Endgame and brought all those people back. It is very much a sequel to Captain America Civil War. It is a sequel to Avengers Endgame. And it's just a general progression of where we are in the MCU because WandaVision didn't really touch on that. WandaVision was very personal to the characters of Wanda Maximoff and Vision and where their story goes. This is much broader about where the world is right now in a different way than like Spider-Man for Far From Home because Sam is so tied to the U.S. government and tied to what they're doing now that Cap has retired and now that Tony's gone and the world needing these heroes and protectors and so on and so forth. So right off the bat, I want to get into this and say that this is a full-stop spoiler review. If you have not finished The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, go do that now, because I think it's impossible to tiptoe around what happens towards the end of the series when we're talking about this. Because, and I'm going to toss this to you, Jake, in a second, you know, WandaVision had such a strong start and was so intriguing towards the beginning, and we might have had some gripes with the end, but I feel like in talking to you off mic, you had kind of an opposite reaction to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. What did you think of the series in general and the flow of it and what it did specifically for Bucky and for Sam? Yeah, um, well, for starters, Marvel has proved, again, you know, what is this, like 12, 13 years running now that they don't fail. It's pretty remarkable. But I was, I never disliked the show. I was never not uninterested, but I thought the first three episodes were kind of lacking a little bit. Well, this is not a fair example for Andrew because he likes his movie better than I do, but it kind of on par with like an Iron Man 3 or like a Captain Marvel-ish maybe. Like, well, not bad. It, just, it was just fine at first. It was just all right. And then episode four I thought was honestly amazing. I thought episode four was great. Uh, episode five maintained that momentum, was really good, and then I thought they wrapped it up really well with episode six. So basically I thought the last half was a lot better than the first half. But there's there's a lot of good stuff in this, in this show by the end. I think Sam gets a, a great arc, not not being ready for the Captain America mantle and then coming full swing by the end to being ready for it. But his journey there works. It makes sense. It's not just, eh, I'm not sure. I guess I should. It's, it's way deeper than that. He gets a lot to do. And Bucky gets a very therapeutic arc of, you know, trying to figure out his place in the world and Sam kind of helping him find it, which is another thing that I thought was great in the sense that I thought their chemistry was lacking in the first couple of episodes, like, just straight up, I thought they weren't really a great duo without Cap. And that changed again in the last half. I thought they worked really well together by the end. I thought they came together really strong. I'm more than happy to see them come together again in the future. Like Andrew was saying, just the, the themes of this show, too. You know, Captain America is more than just a super soldier. And they really, really deep dive into that. What it means to be Captain America, more than just a soldier, but, you know, doing the right thing, making the hard choices... Standing, standing up for what's right, planting your feet in the ground, and not moving, you know, like he says in Civil War. So I would have liked to see a little bit more in that in the beginning, but top to bottom, I'm really, really happy with the end, and they're just 
Marvel just keeps on rolling, man. They're unstoppable. <laughs> I think the show does a good job, and I understand your viewpoint. I don't know if I agree with how you perceive the beginning of the series, but I, I see what you're saying because so much of the first three or four episodes is Bucky and Sam denying basically what they need to do to progress forward as human beings and characters, and that's what these shows are all about. They're all about – you know, they, they can get into the minutia of story elements and what they set up for the future, and we'll get into that in a bit. But, Nate, I think what we found in WandaVision and what we find here and what is going to progress now into the movie series as they've announced a Captain America 4, uh, going to be written by the same person who created Falcon and the Winter Soldier, is that these series do a good job at deepening the characters that were shoved off to the side a little bit in the movies because we simply didn't have enough time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that... Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and God, that needs to have a shorter name because it's, it's <laughs> a mouthful. Have a breath just to say it, and it's Sam. not even like a good acronym. FWS. I, yeah, that's a, that's <laughs> probably the best way. Yeah, better than what I what I was going to suggest. So yeah, the show <laughs> does a great <laughs> job at deepening Bucky, deepening Sam, and giving us a taste of what the MCU feels like post Avengers Endgame, and. I said the same thing with WandaVision. I think it did a phenomenal job with its title characters. I think it did a... It made me care a lot more than I had from just the movies, like you had mentioned there, Drew, which all the more power to Marvel. Keep keep rocking those because it works. Um, I found this series as a whole pretty consistent. Like, I'd probably give every episode like a 3.5 out of 5 kind of thing with some really cool moments and then some clunkier dialogue here or there, or uh, I don't really feel what they're doing with the Flag Smashers in this episode. I'm just not getting it, that kind of stuff. Um, but overall, I just had a pretty solid time the whole way through. I feel like WandaVision intrigued me more because there was more of a mystery behind it. And this was just standard action movie, kind of like second season Daredevil kind of stuff. Where some really cool fight scenes, um, yeah, some really good looks at some characters. I really dug how they um, handled our fake Captain America, if you will. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Between him and Zemo, they kind of stole the show whenever it was focused on them um, in very different ways, but in ways that I wanted more. I would have dug one more episode really just to hammer home what Zemo was doing or... White Russell as John Walker slash Captain America, whatever. He had his moments, um, and I would have I would have killed for just a little bit more in the finale. I think. Yeah, I think he gives an outstanding performance. Everybody's pretty good mm. in the show, but I I think I agree in terms of scene stealers. You've got Daniel Brohl as Zemo, who I loved in Civil War, uh, one of the more underrated MCU villains in my opinion, because he just doesn't he he doesn't really have the spotlight in that movie, but he is so cunning behind the scenes, and he gets a chance to shine here. And then Wyatt Russell, of course, son of Kurt Russell, does a great job in portraying and hammering home exactly what that John Walker character needs to be, which you bring up a good point in how it deepens Bucky and it deepens Sam. But this show actually deepens, and he's not even there for any of it. It deepens Steve Rogers, too, because the entire show is about establishing what the legacy of Captain America means and why it doesn't just take being blonde hair, blue eyes— and physical specimen, and can train with the shield and knows how to use the adamantium shield. You know, it's more than that. The big thing that Sam possesses that we find out, and this is all about 
the series is entirely about getting him and earning him the right to be Captain America and proving why he's the only choice at this point in time. Mm-hmm. He has he has patience with the Flag Smasher stuff that some of his fellow Avengers probably wouldn't. Yep. And they portray his patience and understanding by contextualizing it even wider. This show has a lot more depth and complexity than I thought it would in terms of how it tackles racial issues. L- let me be clear. Pretty much everything Nate said about quality-wise, I agree with. I think it nails character stuff and broad themes, and I think the plotting is a little clunky. I still never really bought into the Flag Smashers that much. I think they kind of got neglected when they were working on other things. There are a few plotting of certain episodes where we're literally just running in circles to characters meet here, they talk, they fight. Characters meet in another location, they talk, they fight. That mm-hmm. outstanding episode four that Jake pinpointed had a lot of that at the beginning before it builds to that nuke bomb of a finale with Walker <laughs> killing one of the Flag Smashers out in public. Yeah. yeah. But I think my favorite episode of the series was episode five, which features probably the least amount of action. It's a great action scene at the beginning between Cap, uh, well, uh, two Caps, <laughs> <laughs> Sam, Sam, Bucky, and John Walker. Yeah. That's really the only big action scene of the episode. And the rest of it is about Sam and Bucky coming to terms with what they need to do to step it up to the finale. And I think one of my favorite aspects is the character of Isaiah, played by Carl Lumbly, who was a super soldier in the past, had moments where he tangled with the Winter Soldier, and then America completely neglected him and screwed him. You see the hesitancy that Sam has to take on the Steve Rogers mantle, not just because of the legacy that Steve left behind, but because of the added pressure he's going to have you know, being out in public, being a black Captain America. Like, he, they can't even just call mm-hmm. him Falcon. They have to call him Black Falcon a lot of the times in the community. I was afraid when they started going down that road because I was like, okay, this is gonna, this is a silly superhero show where they banter and stuff like that. But again, Marvel does a nice job of using the extra time they have to spread out those themes across multiple episodes. I agree. I think the Flag, flag Smasher stuff could have been handled a little bit better. There were times in the plot where I was like, like, to be honest, I... I didn't 100% follow the um, the the power broker thing until I kind of sat with it and really thought about it for a minute. I'm like, I don't. What was what was all that? That was a little yeah, little kind of confusing That's for one me. One thing I was waiting to bring up because I didn't care for any of the power broker stuff. Yeah, like Sharon's a fine enough character, and if they want to make her evil for future projects, be it movies or another TV series, that's fine. But all her actions never really stuck with me she never sold me as a a as a villain or b as a successful one (laughs) the amount of times that she's in danger um for no reason the amount of time that she's killing her own self-interest for no reason was just weird and also like i called that by like episode three because of her behavior like it makes sam look kind of stupid that he's not like mm-hmm. picking up red flags that like, oh, she just happens to have a really nice luxury apartment, even though she's been on the run for seven years or whatever in the nice part of town. And like, she just happens to be everywhere. Doesn't she say that she's blipped? So she became the power broker in two years. She, it's yeah, right. weird. She, and she directly is like, oh, I have meetings with clients. So you guys have to hide. And it's like, oh, I wonder who those clients are. You know, like, <laughs> like she's very obviously up to something shady. And I think it's it is up to future projects to further develop that. I th- and I think yeah. that's what they're banking on. Because, like, I could understand a, a motivation from her standpoint, but I just, they didn't sell it. They didn't sell it for me. 
I needed yeah. a little bit more to really buy that. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of the problems I had have to do with Emily Van Camp or Aaron Kellyman as Carly. I think they do fine. It's it's more of a writing thing. Yeah, that's what I was thinking also. Um, I think the writing wasn't perfect. Um, like Nate was saying, there's dialogue things where I just straight up was like, that could have been written better. But mm-hmm. even in dialogue and plotting. But I do think with the announcement of Captain America 4, I need more details. But honestly, having the Steve Rogers Captain America for eight years, however long it was, what an awesome transition to give us a black Captain America. What a way to do it. I mean, yeah, I'm really glad that this moment wasn't just like in between movies. Oh, I'm really good with the shield now. I'm Captain and America. And even from producing standpoint, it's kind of genius. Like there was some controversy over Michael B. Jordan being uh, the human torch. This is a brilliant way to give us a, and, and especially in the wake of Chadwick Boseman passing, this was really, really awesome way to do it. Yeah. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. Sam Sam totally fits the, the bill after this. I was never a huge Falcon fan. And hearing him help Bucky... Hearing him talk to those senators in the last episode, seeing him in that new that new kick-ass suit, stepping up to the mantle, earning that mantle, like I'm kind I'm kind of in. I'm kind of cool with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll sign on to that. Yeah, it's interesting the Chadwick Boseman comment you make. I wanted to contrast and compare how this show does things compared to like Black Panther in terms of Black Panther is such a celebration of black excellence, whereas this is a very much like a this is very much an American black story, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It is deeply mm-hmm. shrouded in shame and acceptance and forging a new path, which again, level of nuance that I didn't expect. And can I just say, if we're going to get like pea-brained about it, love the suit. Think this First of all, think it's pretty <laughs> ingenious yes. that they used Wakanda as the source of the suit because again, so embracing cool. black culture. But also, it just looks dope as hell. It looks so yeah. cool. And... Throughout the entire show, but even in the final final episode, too, they just were able to come up with cool ways to use a jetpack and wings in a fight that yeah. that I've always loved Marvel for. They can make powers um, and superhuman technology or whatever they need for their heroes to work, work in such a creative way that DC has never come close to doing in a live action setting before. I love the use of the jetpack through all like the close corridor fights and then just seeing his wings take out helicopters and <laughs> people um, throughout yeah. that final fight scene was just chef's kiss. <laughs> good work. <laughs> Action coordinators, man. You know what Marvel does a really good job at? They do a really good job at developing the characters through how they fight. We haven't, we haven't really talked about Bucky a lot and I think the show does a really good job at showing what the new Bucky looks like, which is a mix between the cold-hearted assassin of Winter Soldier and this new leaf he's trying to turn. So he's still, you can tell he's still very proficient with hand-to-hand combat, but he's clearly holding back. Like, he could have he could have killed John Walker in 10 seconds. Remember how he, mm. he whoops Steve in the Winter Soldier? The only reason, <laughs> the only reason that Steve survives that freeway fight between them in Captain America the Winter Soldier is because he rips his mask off, and then there's a little confusion there. Like, otherwise, yeah. <laughs> I, I, otherwise, it would have been curtains. This show definitely sold the fact that he is a super soldier. Like, he, he jumped out of a helicopter in, the, what, the first or second episode? Yeah, and, he, and, and like, uses his arm as, like, the cushioning. At the time, like, you're dead. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> and, and, and then I like, had to, like, go back and, like, research powers and abilities. Like, oh, shit, no, he was... <laughs> it's more than just a robot arm. He is a super soldier on top of Yeah, that. right. He 
was keeping up with Black Panther and Civil War on that freeway fight. Yeah. Like, mm. he has superhuman abilities, too. Another good callback to Winter Soldier, by the way, when Steve jumps out of the plane at the beginning with no parachute. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just ridiculous. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and see, I, it's actually interesting you guys said that, because I... That was one of my issues in the beginning. I wanted to see more from Bucky. I'm like, he he is on par with Black Panther and Captain America in terms of fighting. Show me that. And I know he's supposed to be holding back and he's turning over a new leaf. But when it comes to terrorists, I want to see him kick some yeah, ass. Yeah, but he doesn't want to kill people, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I know, but if he if he and Sam are losing, he's kind of, you know, I wanted, I wanted a little bit more from that in the beginning. But I think basically all my problems in the first three episodes were made up for in the last three, honestly. <laughs> yeah. All the stuff with his therapist I was hit and miss with, too. I'm kind of glad they excised that towards the end of the run. Yeah, well, and, but they replaced it with the with the boat stuff with Sam's sister, which I like the character, but I didn't care for all the screen time that it got. It, it was I'm such a sea story to me. Yeah. And at that time, I needed the Flag Smashers to be a threat or something, and it just wasn't there. Yeah, I kind of feel that way, too, Nate. But it, as far as, like, Bucky's arc goes, I really like Sam's dialogue with him in, in uh, episode five where he's talking about like you're not you're not really going through and like forgiving and you know moving on you're kind of avenging you're you're looking at all these people that you've harmed before but like if you want the results that you want you have to do more work than just talking to a therapist and you know kind of moseying your way into doing good like you really got to go more all in on this yeah and that formed their their teammate and friendship and bond that I was looking for in the earlier episode so like it was funny after the third episode I wasn't trash talking it at all but I was just kind of saying I was underwhelmed. And then episode four was like, yeah, we heard you talking. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Like, that's what these long form storytelling things are good for, too. And again, that th- exact thing you were just saying, deep in Sam again. Remember how we met Sam? He was doing counseling for PTSD people. And yeah. Steve just happens to meet him. Well, I mean, they run past each other. Mm-hmm. But Steve meets him at the therapy session. And from right there, you get an idea of who Sam Wilson is as a person. And that yeah. is very important to selling him as the next Captain America. All right, we have another review to do. So let's do final (laughs) thoughts here on Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, Nate, final thoughts. Yeah, I I like the show. I think I like WandaVision a little bit more, but it's very close. I've been very satisfied with the quality of these two uh, Disney Plus shows. And I do think they're worth anybody's time if anyone's still on the fence (laughs) on the MCU stuff post-Endgame. I'd probably go low-end plush recliner, definitely higher than a wooden seat. Um, But overall, just thoroughly enjoyed the show. I like the deep dive of the characters like we've been harping on for this entire segment. And just keep it coming. (laughs) Let's let's bring on Loki next. Yep, Loki premieres in June, so we get a little bit of a break. There's a Star Wars show in between, so not really for me. But Jake, final thoughts? Yeah, similar to Nate. Um... I like WandaVision a little bit more, mainly because I just, I, I needed a little bit more consistency from beginning to end uh, with Falcon. But as a whole, uh, it ended really, really well. I ended up really, really liking it and found myself kind of, not not physically returning to it, but like mentally returning to it, thinking about it a little bit, it resonated with me. Even though I think the Flag Smashers needed to be fleshed out more, needed a little more depth, I did think it was interesting that, you know, like Marvel is sometimes criticized for their villains, but here I kind of understood... I, would, I didn't agree with them because they were, you know, murdering people and, like, bombing Senate and stuff like that. But, yeah, they, they throw out all their relatability in the last two episodes. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I their motive I, f- I found interesting. They were like, yeah, it's great that we were brought back, but our own governments, like, to the people who were blipped, the governments were basically like, I don't know what to tell you, and weren't really looking out for them. And we are, 
and we need to take control of this establishment to make sure that everybody's looked out for. And I'm like, oh, you know what? All right, that's interesting. Like, I, I hear you. And then Sam talks to Carly and they have a great dialogue about that. And he's like, I understand what you're saying, but you got to go about it differently. And again, just furthering Sam's depth of character. So overall, another, you know, another rock solid production for Marvel. Same with Nate, low end plus recliner, but yeah, just very good. And I think Loki, the trailer for Loki looks so good. So I'll just, you know, we'll review that in a few months as well, I'm sure. I'll keep it brief because I pretty much echo everything you guys said. I would I would go a little bit below WandaVision, still give it a plus recliner. One thing we didn't talk about at all is Julia Louis-Dreyfus is now in the MCU. Oh, That's yeah. awesome. Valentina Allegra <laughs> de Fontaine is her character's name. She clearly has something to do with John Walker's U.S. agent going forward. Uh, she's supposed to be in Black Widow as well. Excited to see what the context of that is and to learn more about what her character's deal is. But for now, let's talk about Sam and Bucky. Again, they're the title characters of the show, and the show does a great job at developing them. Everything else is a little bit more up and down. I think mostly I was satisfied with everything. I think the action is cool. I think Henry Jackman's score is awesome. And if you listen to it, we spoiled the shit out of this already. But if you haven't watched it, give it your time, basically, is what I got to say about Falcon and the Soldier. All right, let's move into something that has about the exact same amount of nuance as the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Let's move into our review of Mortal Kombat. First learned about this seven years ago on a mission in Brazil to capture a wanted fugitive. It had the same marking you do, Cole. Means you've been chosen. Throughout history, different cultures all over the world reference a great tournament as Mortal Kombat. I am Sub-Zero. Get over here! Mortal Kombat directed by Simon McQuaid. I, 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 Nobody. Yeah, but like it looks like his name's <laughs> supposed to be McQuaid, but then like they spelled it wrong on the birth certificate, so he's got an O instead of an A. I don't know. He's a first-time director. <laughs> uh, it is the third movie in the Mortal Kombat series after the 1995 original, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, a.k.a. Simp for Mila Djokovic and the Resident Evil series. Uh, and then 1997's Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which apparently is an abomination. I watched the 1995 original before this one, and thought it was awful. So I can't imagine how bad the 97 one is. Uh, but that, that's a discussion for another day. And again, another inebriation possibility. It is available in theaters and HBO Max. Uh, it is the third straight HBO Max review we're doing. So as much as I complained about the whole, you know, theater and at home thing, uh, it's giving us content. So I can't be too mad, I guess. It's a pretty simple plot. There are bad guys from the, this place called like the Outer World and or Other World or whatever it is. Who cares? And they... So you didn't love this movie, Drew? Is that what I'm, I'm gathering? No, you'll be surprised. It's just like, who cares about the plot part of it? <laughs> uh, it's, so there are a bunch of villains. They've won nine straight Mortal Kombat tournaments, which is between people on Earth and people in this dark world place. If they win a tenth in a row, they get to conquer Earth. I don't know who signed these rules. I don't know, like, what kind of contract. <laughs> I don't know what kind of contract Earth got Get better in. lawyers, man. Good Lord. <laughs> right. Again, this is, the, this is the plot of the game. This is nothing we can qualm with the movie about. But there are people on Earth who have been chosen uh, as the guardians and protectors. And at some point, they need to accrue special powers and take on the villains. We can go through all the characters in a bit. They're all popular ones from the video game. 
one made up one is our protagonist, Cole Young. He is not a video game character. Louis Tan plays him. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I don't really have any connection to this series. Um, I know all the famous like Fatality and Finish Him and I've played it before, but I like I don't have a connection to the characters or the story or anything like that. So I went into this just waiting for another video game movie. Uh, we've done three on the show. We've talked about Detective Pikachu and Sonic the Hedgehog, which I think are my number one and number two favorite video game movies of all time. And I'm pretty sure they were both damp lawn chairs. So that tells you about the level of standard <laughs> that we're working yeah. with here. So for me, this was about expectations. And I'm just looking for an, a good R-rated action movie. I guess, was all I was looking for. Jake, what did you expect from this, and what did you get from it? I will say I expected less, if I'm being honest. I didn't see the other ones from the 90s. I just know that they're not well-received and often laughed at. Um, so I really wasn't expecting much, especially from a director who would literally... His IMDb credits are shorter than people I went to college with. Like, this guy has no... This, he's a nothing. I don't know who he <laughs> knows and how he got this, but I pretty much threw this on, not really expecting much, and... It was okay. Like, I, if nothing else, I was entertained throughout. And the props I'll give it is I was mildly impressed on how they figured a way to make a bunch of one-on-one -on -one fights with each other. Like, I, I felt like it actually kind of flowed and made sense in a way. Is the plot good? Not really. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, are there certainly better movies? Yes. <laughs> Yes, there are better movies, yes. <laughs> yeah, like mo most movies are better. Really? But I've, honestly, I think one of the most important things for movies to do is be entertaining. That is ultimately why people go to the movies. That or for artwork, and this is not that. So you go for this to be entertained, and I pretty much was for most of it. There's some rough acting in there. Uh, there's some rough dialogue in there. But there is some good action. I briefly forgot it was rated R, so when there was like blood splatter 10 minutes in. I was like, oh. <laughs> you were reminded really quick, yes. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. I, I'm cool with that. Mortal Kombat should be rated R. I'm fine with that. So I wouldn't say it was a good movie, but it was still better than I expected. Uh, Nate, I mean, what were you thinking going into this? What was your headspace? My headspace was this is going to be just like Godzilla versus Kong where the plot doesn't matter. We just need to see the fighty people do fighty things. Yep. <laughs> and yes, it succeeded in making the Mortal Kombat characters fight other Mortal Kombat characters. <laughs> I definitely sound a little bit lower than you do, at least on the offset here, Jake, where I was not entertained. I was I was pretty bored for probably every other fight. Oh, okay. um, Maybe it was the, the CG that was throwing me off. There was some really bad green screen work in here, and there are a lot of really weird backgrounds. <laughs> yeah, it, important to note, I don't think the budget was anything special. Mm -hmm. Like, compared to, like, Godzilla vs. Kong. Not not yeah. that we're comparing them. Yeah, $50 million budget, so. This is, this is the issue. If you're familiar at all with the Mortal Kombat characters, two most probably infamous ones are Sub-Zero and Scorpion. And without spoiling what they do in the movie's plot, their characters are pretty exposition light, which works to the movie's favor a million times because you just get to focus on the action scenes and the character beats, mm -hmm. if you will, yeah. um, and enjoy the hell out of that. They treat Sub-Zero like a, like a horror movie villain most of the movie. Yeah, yeah. And 
he works uh, really well. Sub-Zero works phenomenally well, especially in the action scenes, too, because their CGI budget is super high for whatever they're doing with his ice effects. It's awesome. Every other character, though, is exposition dump. (laughs) One the... Sonya Blade in particular is so bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all straight. They're straight faced. They're serious the entire time. And that's when the movie falls apart. And unfortunately, it falls apart often for me. So I was not too high on this movie. It had a couple moments, but do not call me this movie's biggest fan. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so before I launch into me, um, can I just get a clarification? Home or theaters? Home. Yeah, I don't think this needs a theater. You're fine at home. So I saw it in the theaters, and it I think it did make a difference for me. Uh, okay. Because the audience behind it was having a pretty good time. This is at a very good opening weekend. Uh, we are headed, Nate is giddy about this. We are headed back towards some sense of normalcy at the box office. We're not going to get there all the way probably till at least the winter. But, you know, this did really well for what it was supposed to be. Uh, it's already made $55 million or $51 million on a $55 million budget worldwide. Wow. 10 to 15 here, um, which means you're probably going to get a sequel to this. And this movie, this movie's overall legacy depends on there being a sequel to me. I'm leaning more towards Jake because I kind of agree with pretty much everything he said here. I had very, very simple expectations for this. Just show me cool fights. Like, I don't even really care how long it takes to get there as long as it gets there at some point. Well, I mean, obviously, don't bore me to tears in the yeah. in-between time. <laughs> and and for the most part, I think the movie is tongue-in-cheek enough. It's not good. And you're right. There is a lot of exposition. There are a lot of clunky acting performances. Some of the characters are really shallow. But, like, they're doing cool stuff in between. So I was kind of okay with it and the action scenes i thought were all very well executed i kind of disagree i liked pretty much every action scene gloriously violent <laughs> that's the whole freaking point in mortal Kombat. yeah which <laughs> <But> good <laughs> shouldn't be taken for granted because the, the 1995 and 1997 movies are pg-13 so yeah how do you do that <laughs> what the f- is that like deadpool happens i think really this movie exists because deadpool did well yeah there's probably uh, there's it's probably a good comp that. yeah i think probably um yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have anything deeper to say than that. This movie is a tease for the actual, <laughs> the actual Mortal Kombat movie. This isn't a Mortal Kombat movie. This is Mortal Kombat prologue. This would be the first. The character selection script. This, yeah, this would be. <laughs> well, yeah, this would be the first two chapters of the Justice League, Snyder Cut version of this. But like, oh my god, <laughs> stop it! Yeah, I, I had, I had a good time, especially as we were getting towards the end. It did everything I asked it to do. The effects are hit and miss. And I would agree, Sub-Zero is the best. Let, let's talk about our favorite characters. Let's take Sub-Zero off the board, because I think he is pretty much unanimously the coolest thing in this movie. If you had to pick, yeah. like, a second person that you found interesting, or, that's the wrong word. <laughs> let's say we're on that menu where every character is listed there. Who are you picking? Jake? Uh, damn, you take Sub-Zero out? Uh, this is not a good sign. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm I'm going through. Me, uh, I didn't I didn't love our main character, but he he had his moments. He's made up, like I said at the beginning. He yeah. like wasn't um, in the game. So I like Liu Kang in the game. I thought he could have been cooler here. I guess him and Kung Lao were all right. I guess I would lead them. I thought I thought Kano was a little annoying. Kung Lao surprised me. I didn't like him for the first 
half that he's on screen for, and then the second half he he turned around. He, he gets some cool moments. He definitely makes it up for there. I think maybe the who's the leader of the bad guy? Um, Shang like Shang. the dark Shang Tsung. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he sold like a campy enough evil villain for me that I had at least a little bit of fun with him. My man, my man's just sucking souls out of people. Like that's that's his shtick. <laughs> yeah, that's his <laughs> thing. That that's being memed already. <laughs> and I definitely will give the movie um, its credit there. That I think everyone's signature move, if you will, not necessarily fatalities, because you have to leave enough characters alive for a sequel. Um, but everyone's major signature move was present in the fight scenes in some capacity, which was what it should do, and I'm glad it succeeded. What about you, Andrew? I lean towards Kung Lao. I like his hat. I think it's a cool hat. Um, <laughs> I like Hanzo at the beginning in the prologue, uh, played by Harioka yeah. Sonata, who is a very yeah, yeah. popular Asian mm-hmm. actor. Um, in terms of the bad guys, I mean, like, Goro. I, I just love the design of Goro. Remind me to bring up a point about Goro when we get into the spoiler section. Um, yeah, I have words about Goro. <laughs> Machamp-looking yes, yes. Oh, Nate, I love that. Um, Kano, I disagree. I agree in terms of, like, his powers are kind of stupid and he was kind of a punk, but I thought Josh Lawson, who played the character, actually brought some fun to the role. He's such like such just like a cheeky Australian. Is that the same guy who does Captain Boomerang? No, Suicide no, <laughs> no. Wait, Captain Boomerang is... Uh, Jai Courtney. Jai Courtney. That's Andrew's boy. Yes. My least favorite actor mm. of all time. Oh, similar <laughs> vibes. <laughs> like, channeling the same kind of performance. Campy, bad performance, but like in a way that was like on brand for the movie, I think. I enjoyed when he was on screen because at least he was having more fun than everybody else. Uh, mm. I want to talk about Lord Raiden for a second. And then, and then we should probably launch into spoilers at some point. Like, my God, talk about getting a paycheck for doing nothing. <laughs> He yeah. just he just yeah. stands there. I was disappointed with that character as well. Yeah, whole. like I think after Sub Zero and uh, Scorpion, he's the most iconic Mortal Kombat character there is. That's not this movie's fault because the other '95 version movie does this as well, where he's played by Christopher Lambert in a stunning performance of ineptitude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like. Nice vocabulary. Like, it's the same thing in that version where he can't interfere or do anything. So it's like, why? What is the point? He can't participate in Mortal Kombat, so he just he just looks cool and watches Mortal Kombat. Like, well, it's one thing to say I can't interfere, but I've at least gathered you all here together. But he straight up blasts these people for not being prepared a month before, a, like a millennia long, without even knowing what it between is between Mortal Kombat tournaments. Yeah, they just learned what the, <laughs> the tournament is too, and he blames them for that. Like, yeah. Come on. On, man. <laughs> I, like at least give him if it's not a battle to the death at least give him a fight with Shang Tsung like hey you're cheating I don't care we're gonna fight about this for a minute until something else interferes like give us something yeah yeah all right let's <laughs> we're like towing the line between spoilers whatever that means yeah I basically gave my final thoughts already I'm like yeah I was gonna movie. say yeah we're not gonna have a lot to say <laughs> we're not gonna have a lot to say in spoilers we can talk no, about I'm some of our coolest done. kills and stuff but let's get into our <laughs> ratings uh if you're joining us for the first time although we probably should have done this at the Falcon and the Winter Soldier part, but whatever. Love a movie. We give it a royal throne. Think a movie's really good. Give it a plush recliner. Think a movie is solid with flaws, like pretty big flaws at points. Wooded seat. Inverse bad movie. Good things in it. Damp lawn chair. Horrible movie. Sleazy outhouse. Bag of popcorn if you think you should see it in theaters. Nate, Mortal Kombat rating, please. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, 
they're gonna do your characters justice so if you're a mortal Kombat fan and you're just here for the spectacle you'll have a decent time with this if you have no connection to it whatsoever like i do like i literally just know the character names and kind of like they're shtick and that's about it you're gonna care a whole lot less and that's basically where i wind up here this is a damp lawn chair with some great youtube clips that you can search up later and relive the glory days but other than that eh, there's not too much to gain here it's pretty clunky writing it's they should have gone more campy and less serious with all the exposition there is especially the first half of this movie it's pretty bad Overall, I can't recommend this in good taste unless you're a huge Mortal Kombat fan, in which case you'll have your fun. Um, if you have the opportunity to see it in theaters, I think you should see it for that, with that asterisk that you should probably be a fan to give this any time to begin with. Yeah, here, <laughs> here's here's the thing. I This movie confused me because I'm like... I, I watch this movie and I go, I, I'm aware this is not exactly a good or well-made movie, but I was pretty entertained throughout. So it's kind of a weird in-between zone that this one falls in. But basically what happens is I liked watching the action and I was mildly surprised, dare I say impressed, that the lead-ups to the fights sort of made sense. Like who was fighting who and why, I was like, I, I buy that. But outside of that, it's not really anything good. So I don't know. I'm probably going to go... There was a second where I was considering some wooden seats, but I'm going to go damp lawn chair. Oh, I'm you just traitor. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I, <laughs> I got to recognize it's just, it's not a, a good, the fights are fun, but it's not like a good movie. So I don't know. It's entertaining. It's a really fun damp lawn chair. What, it, what did, it, what a disgusting backtrack. <laughs> you crack open a I'm couple beers. It, you crack open a couple beers. You for, kind of forget you're in the damp lawn chair. You know, this is the know. same conversation we had Godzilla versus Kong, but Godzilla at least has more fun than this, my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, so this is my favorite video game movie of all time, and it's a wooden seat. So that tells you what you need to know. Um, wow. <laughs> listen, like, if I'm the teacher and I'm grading Mortal Kombat, it gets a, it gets a B plus to an A minus in the action, and it gets like a C in the story and character and dialogue department. So that averages out to like a like a B, and for for this movie, that's a win. Because I expected this to be horrible, and it, it wasn't. That's the thing. It's like a pretty rewatchable damp lawn chair. I wouldn't mind seeing this again, just knowing like like the bad stuff is bad, but the action's fun. So I, I, don't, I don't know. See, see, here's the thing. Like, I started to rewatch some of it this afternoon, I was like, maybe I should stop watching this because it's going to hurt my case here a little bit. But for, <laughs> na for, for now, this is a wooden seat. Let's get into spoilers. This will be quick. If you have not seen Mortal Kombat, don't join us. If you have, please do. Whoa. Oh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Excuse me. Spoiler alert. So my Goro point was pretty quick and stupid. It basically was just that this is two straight reviews now where we've had a character like pop back a limb. Yeah. <laughs> Kong putting his shoulder back in in Godzilla vs. Kong and Goro like unsnapping his broken wrist. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, he goes down like yeah. a bit of a bitch, but like... Isn't he like the main boss from one of the first He's like Mortal the main Kombat boss's games? pet in the more recent one. I played the one that came out like 10 years ago. Combat X mm -hmm. or whatever it was. Either way, like... Him and Reptile are some of the most iconic villains of Mortal Kombat, and they both go down like idiots. Well, like, here's the thing about Goro. 
One, he had it worse in the 95 version because he dies when <laughs> Johnny Cage, who's not in the movie, by the way, but is teased for the sequel, punches him in the mm-hmm. nuts. And that's <laughs> that's how he's taken out. Like, To be fair, that is his signature move from the video game. He does the split and just I, goes straight for the crotch. I guess, but like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. the, like the tone of it was it is very crotch. Like that's joke. how he goes down. Yeah. So like in this version, <laughs> yeah. in this version he puts up a fight, but like Cole should not be able to beat him. Cole can't beat like... D-list Conor McGregor wannabes in the MMA field. He's not beating Goro alone. Mm-hmm. And he's certainly... Yeah. His wife and daughter are certainly not getting the drop on Goro just to get a hit on him. Like... And then get away scot-free. He has four arms. He can deal with three people at once. Yeah. So, bad showing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Bad showing for Goro. I, I assume we will see him in the sequel. I assume we will see Sub-Zero in the sequel. Though, there are different versions I've read of Sub-Zero in the game. So, we might see a different version of Sub-Zero as opposed to mm. this version was really cool. They did some really yeah. cool action things with him yeah. when he breaks Jax's arms, when he cuts Scorpion and takes the blood and freezes it really quickly to stab him with it. Like, yeah, great. that scene's from the trailers too. And it, it works so well. Yeah, fantastic yeah. choreography in that last fight. Mm-hmm. Sub-Zero's is the coolest part of this, but I, I liked Scorpion as well. I, I think it was relatively obvious what they were going to do with him. Like how he was coming back. Well, I bet you early screenwriting part of this that Cole was going to like get possessed by Scorpion or something. They were hinting like the lineage was there the entire movie. And yeah. I think it would have been a lot better if Cole Young had just became Scorpion by the end or something something along those lines. I kind of thought that might happen, but then I was like, I feel like Scorpion's name isn't Cole Young. so. <laughs> yeah, I feel like people would have been pissed if that's what they did. I'm kind of glad that they did it that way. The way he shows up is so deus ex machina, but... He comes back from hell. <laughs> right, he's just, yeah. he's just like, he's loitering in hell until it's time for him to come back. And like, yeah, yeah, they don't really explain how, right? He's just back? I, I would assume it was like Cole earned himself enough that he came in... I don't know. Yeah, they don't explain it. You're correct. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's dumb. The fight scene's cool. Um, but I'd be very okay if Cole Young died off screen in between the, this movie and the next one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's yeah. going to happen, but yeah. Um, I also think it's worth noting that Shao Kahn is the big bad, right? We don't even, they don't even mention him. Like, I assume he's like Shang Shun's boss or something. I don't know. Don't look at me. He's kind of supposed to be the Thanos, like he's in charge of everything and he's going to conquer everybody. But like, you don't even tease him. You don't yeah. even like nothing mm-hmm. i thought that was weird i'm glad they got all of this housekeeping out of the way because the next movie should really just be 85 percent action it won't be but, but is that our be. standard for movies now drew where we have to have a movie of setup before we enjoy ourselves why can't we just like the movie from the get-go <laughs> i don't know it's i i don't have an answer for that but i'm sure mortal Kombat fans are happy that this isn't the 95 or 97 version you know like They'll take yeah, what they can that. get at this point. Can we talk about how arbitrary it was? These the times when these guys got their powers, like Sonya Blades is, I'm sorry, unexcusable. <laughs> <laughs> like she kills um, Laser Eye, whatever the frick Kano. his name is. Kano. Kano, thank you. With the with the Garden Gnome, thought that was a funny callback, but I, it's a f- fine enough callback. I suppose the fight was okay, um, but then immediately pops back out through the the Raiden portal and is shooting lasers out of her wrists. Like, we spent a good 30 minutes of the movie going over how important it was to unlock your powers and how hard it well, was for 
Cole to pull it off. And she just comes back blasting because movie's got a movie. Yes. Yes and no. Because they established that Kano got his from killing someone that had the mark. But then he doesn't get his powers right away. But he's also an asshole. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I get that she gets the dragon mark right away. That's fine. But the fact that she unlocks her powers immediately afterward is just like... Yeah. It's the whole point that, that she has earned it all along, you know what I mean? Like, she's probably the most worthy of all of the people that actually had the powers. But it's just, like, yeah. so – it's so random. Like, why couldn't they build Jax, like, big arms to begin with? Like mm-hmm. – Yeah, that didn't make any sense. His his robot arms just get more metal? Right. right. From yeah. where? It's a weird-ass power. power yeah. <laughs> How does yeah. that work? Uh, again, Cole takes them to crush that guy's head like a melon. So I'll, I was fine with that. But, but like, Kano gets, like, aggravated at dinner. And like that's how he gets his laser power, and it's like mm-hmm. what? Like I, I I got Liu Kang and Kung Lao were trying to get a rise out of him, but that's how he gets his Cyclops power. That yeah, uh, that was know. that was my thing. I was like, well, all right, whatever. Um, yeah, I would have I would have rather like Raiden blast them with a special beam laser or something like that rather than spend. 30 minutes of the movie just loitering for everyone yeah, to get their like, powers. Literally beat the hell out of them and be like, either you figure out your powers and survive or I kill you here because you're going to die anyway if you don't figure it out. Thunderblast. Or even just they have their powers to begin with and Lord Radian recruits them like Nick Fury and the Avengers. I would have taken that for this movie instead. <laughs> Nate, I forget if you were the one to tell me this, but this would be on brand for you to tell me this. But somebody said that uh, Cole Young literally gets plot armor. <laughs> like <laughs> that isn't a, a me statement, but that is a me type comment. Right, <laughs> that is funny. A pretty weird power set right there. Yeah, it extends to his family too. Like Sub Zero has no issue killing a mother and child at the beginning of the movie, and the fact that Cole Young gets to keep his for basically no reason annoyed me a little bit. Well, I mean, like he tried. He tries to kill him. You can't. You can't be too hard on. It's too Hollywood. <laughs> it's a, it's a Mortal Kombat movie. Make them have a tragic backstory. Make them die, and that's how his powers get awakened kind of thing. Yeah. That would have been a little bit more interesting to me. The the weak excuse I have for that is the entire concept that he got to them quicker than Scorpion did at the beginning of the movie. Whatever. I don't know. That's the only mm-hmm. only thing I can think of. Favorite, favorite kill in the whole movie for me was uh, Kung Lao using his cool hat to cut the uh, – I think, I think her character name is as, as like a chainsaw there. Yeah, that yeah. Was... Natara who has no oh, lines yeah, yeah. cuts her in half. Like, ugh. see, those are awesome. Those are um, th- that is a fatality in at least one of the recent Mortal Kombat ones. He literally just saws somebody in half. I, I, let's talk about like how they integrate the catchphrases too. I thought I had fun with them. Like when he says "flawless victory" after that, <laughs> the flawless yeah, victory. That's the right level of camp. That's what I expected from this movie the whole time through. I didn't need. Sonya Blade doing research on the millennia old uh, Mortal Kombat tournaments prior to this. The, the flawless victory uh, made me laugh. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, okay. I wasn't expecting that, but that I'll take good. it. Get over here. Yeah, is yeah, yeah. A classic. Yeah, they they played that out in the trailer, so I was kind of ready for that one. But like, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. I I did really like that that Kung Lao one. Um, I think that was the standout one for me. Like that's so over the top in a way that just crushing someone's skull together wasn't as exciting for me. We got that at a Game of Thrones a couple of years back. We did not get spinning hat chainsaw. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that was probably one of my standouts too, aside from whenever Sub-Zero decides to f*** somebody up. <laughs> um, the, Go- the Goro fight was underwhelming, but the way that they cut him open was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking that too. Mm-hmm. I, I I give a little like, ooh, wow, okay. <laughs> 
Um, and Scor- Scorpion's win was pretty cool too. I thought. Yes. The whole fight scene was fun. Yeah. yeah. It ended a little anticlimactically, but it was fun. Sub Zero is if Sub Zero is your big bad, they could have found a better way to kill him than just like he just got stabbed in the chest. Basically, mm-hmm. it was a dramatic like ninja sacrifice goodbye more than well, and then he like disappears so it looks like they're trying to keep him around yeah or at least, true, like true. you said a version of him for the next movie and that's disappointing it's called mortal Kombat. we expect fatalities yeah and there weren't as many as i wanted from this movie. right well that's what i was saying i i think sub-zero will be back but it may not be that version of sub-zero like somebody else will have his skill set though i don't know mm. all right i'm running out of steam are you guys ready to wrap yeah <laughs> Go ahead, Jake. I know you've given your final thoughts like four times now, but do it one more time for the for the people. Nate always tells me how he has to cut out my audio because I repeat myself. But yeah, (laughs) repeating is, you know, was the story great? No. Was the fighting good? Yeah. And if you like (laughs) fighting action movies, then you might have fun with this. I I, I did to an extent. I I did. I, I it was amused. So there you go. Not even ironically put that on the poster. Was the fighting good? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was. I, I, was, I was pleasantly surprised. It was better than I expected. Nate, final thoughts. Yeah. Stick into my damp lawn chair. This movie had the occasional dry spot, but <laughs> the rest of the movie is just about as bad as these video game movies tend to be. And it just begs the question, is there such thing as a good video game movie? Ah, uh, this doesn't bring much hope to that genre, but we'll see if we can get there eventually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all same for me. Uh, like I said, video game movies are not unwatchable anymore, which is solid. Like, that's yeah, pretty I'll tight. Yeah, I'll take that. I'm, I'm a fan of that because they, they were gag-inducing a long time ago. So we're getting to the point where they're at least in this, like, range of mediocre to decent, and I thought this was decent. Like, I think people that wanted a Mortal Kombat movie are going to be happy with it despite the fact that it does not have Mortal Kombat in said movie. So <laughs> I, that that feels like a win to me. You're like You take your victories where you can get them, and we'll see where they go from here. Actually, you know, real quick, you gave yours uh, of the ones that we recorded. Nate, what are your video game rankings of the ones that we recorded? Pikachu, Sonic, Mortal Kombat? Mm, probably that same order, Pikachu, Sonic, Mortal oh, yeah? Kombat. I think I, go, yeah. I think I go Pikachu, Mortal Kombat, Sonic. I would go Mortal Kombat, Pikachu, Sonic. So all Sonic last, but the, there's not a big gap like between those three movies. Yeah, no, <laughs> we're talking decimal points here. Yeah, I was curious. Some people legitimately like Detective Pikachu, and those people are allowed to think that. Um, that'll do it for our <laughs> review of Mortal Kombat. Before we go, Nate Langarini, where can they find us on the internet? Alrighty, here's how you can get in touch with us. Please like, comment, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Middle Seats. You can also listen to us on the go on all your podcast platforms, including SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. For questions, comments, and updates on the show, keep an eye on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at The Middle Seats. And if you like what you hear and want to see more content, let us know and spread the word. We are not 100% sure what we're going to be doing next for a review, but I'm looking through the options right now. We will have a discussion, and obviously we'll let you know at the earliest convenience of what we're going to be reviewing. We're headed into May. Usually means the big movie season. <laughs> May May this year is it's it's decent. It doesn't get really big till the end of the month, uh, and then we really launch into the crux of things. So I'm excited for that. Uh, thanks for joining us as always. Thanks for joining us for 50 episodes. That's exciting. For Jake Hensler and Nate Lingarini, I'm Andrew Oje. Keep that seat warm, everyone. We'll be back soon.
Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs>